Hello, welcome back. We're on episode eight of Wholeheartedly. Today we're going to be talking about shame or more specifically, we're going to be talking about kind of our thoughts, interests, hobbies, habits that for some reason we like to put under lock and key, not because it makes sense to, but maybe because we personally feel ashamed of some of these interests that we have. I just thought it was interesting because a lot of the things that bring me joy or, you know, hobbies, habits, or just anything that I do that brings me joy are also considered guilty pleasures. And for some reason, that is a term that's coined. But should we really feel guilty about liking things or, you know, the way that we go about things or how we express ourselves and navigate our days? Is there really any guilt to be felt if we just do what we do and like what we like? Let's let's talk about it today. topic came about when I was talking to somebody, I don't remember who, but the basis of the conversation is we are allowed to like things because we like them. Like we don't have to really explain to anybody why, you know, something is likable. We just do. As I'm talking right now, I'm facing a mini bookshelf that I have in my living room which has an array of different kinds of books ranging from nonfiction to young adult to a classic canon book to I think speculative and realistic fiction I'm not really sure what these genres are to graphic novels to poetry there's a range there and it's making me think of how I used to only read one kind of book and that would be a book that is highly praised and considered a monument of literature history. I think I'm over that. I think we're allowed to like a range of things and we're allowed to, you know, we're allowed to like things that are praised and very popular. We're also allowed to like things that aren't so popular and maybe not very praised. One example, okay, so every morning, my morning routine currently involves one of my teenage, not obsessions, but one of my interests at the time. Obviously, Twilight has kind of re-emerged into society right now. And when it first came out, I remember reading all four of the books, including a novella that's also published under the Twilight Saga. And for those of you who don't know what Twilight is, all you need to know is it's vampires and it's fiction. That's literally all you need to know. I was so good at trivia for this. I knew everything. I knew backstories. I even had, I think, I think this was my first Twitter account that I based a Twitter account on. It was, I think it was based on Alice Cullen from Twilight. For reals, I'm not even kidding. Um, Obviously that didn't last very long, but that was still a fundamental part of my youth. And you fast forward now, 
every morning, and I'm going to say this with full honesty, every morning I do my antigen test, and then I also listen to the Twilight Effect podcast, which is so interesting to me. One of the more interesting facts that I heard from that podcast is the way that the films were thought and um, constructed by the directors and details about characters that I didn't even think about. And listening back on, you know, their experiences now, it's super cool for me to consider it. And I've been telling so many people that Twilight now has now has kind of like a renaissance era and like a podcast run by Ashley Green, who plays Alice Cullen. It's such a cool podcast. Honestly, I have the best time listening to it. I'm kind of scared because I'm running out of episodes now for my mornings, but it's okay. We'll make do. Anyway, point is I think a couple years ago if you asked me if I like Twilight I would have probably recoiled and I would have said like oh yeah I mean I read the books um but it wasn't it wasn't anything like major what a lie I would have said that I think maybe even just four years ago now I can fully and confidently say I'm sorry I have a lot of fun with this Twilight world I I just find it a lot of fun I don't know what else to say my friend and I both concluded that Eclipse is our favorite movie. We didn't conclude this together. We concluded this on our own and then we came together to talk about briefly which movie was our favorite and it's Eclipse. Which brings me to, I think, even just a couple of weeks ago, someone asked me what my favorite Twilight movie was and um, in order to sound less invested, I simply said, I think the third movie when I could have just said Eclipse. That's how, I don't know. I don't know why I did that, you know? Like, I think it's instinct for us to water down how invested we are with something when we're talking about it in a public space or whatever it is, in a professional space and close acquaintances. Maybe it's just me, but I water down a lot of how invested I am in things, which kind of brings me to a lot of the responses I got from you guys when I asked you, what are some of the things that you find yourself kind of irrationally ashamed of? This was a question I asked recently and a lot of you listed out your interests. Some of you said, yeah, um, my music taste, a celebrity, um, mainstream media. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, this is so common. We like to brush it under the rug or we like to dilute how just excited we are for these things that we find in terms of entertainment or media or storytelling or anything. And I'm not excused from that either. I do that too. But I think lately I've been trying to be okay with it. One of my friends told me, you know, you like what you like and there's nothing wrong with that. People are also allowed to dislike what you like and it really shouldn't affect you liking it as long as, you know, they're respectful about it as well. And it's kind of like, what are we really afraid of, you know? Like, I think just today I was talking to a student and they told me, you know, you, you, you actually like quite a lot of young adult fiction. And my response was, yeah, I do actually like quite a lot of young adult fiction. I think I'm just over the preaching of only canon and classic literature. Don't get me wrong, there's actually quite a few classics that are really great but at the same time I think I'm trying to cast a wider net on the books that I want to say that I'm reading because realistically am I gonna be reading a canon book every single week? No.
Is it more likely that I'm going to be reading graphic novels, young adult fiction, accessible kind of short fiction, short stories, things like that? Probably more realistic. Like for example, I've been really loud lately about me loving Heartstopper. And this is a graphic novel or a series of graphic novels from a webcomic that was published a while ago in terms of I've read this a while ago, but because of the TV show, I reread it and obviously I've reread it in more detail this time and I picked out some things that I didn't notice the first time and so now I really really love it more so than the first time when I didn't think I would pick it up and reread it again. I have not been able to contain just talking about it. I feel like I can't shut up about it. In fact, I think someone needs to tell me to shut up about it. And even just the thought of that, right? Like me saying like people need to make me stop talking about this thing. It's kind of like, why? You know, it brings you joy. It clearly left a mark in your heart somehow. And you found some worth in it. Why can't you talk about it? Why is it bad that you talk about it? Why must you feel guilty? Um, and I guess maybe time and place. But other than that, it's like, I am allowed to talk about Heartstopper because I like it. It's kind of like when Six of Crows became a show in terms of it was part of a show, right? And I loved Six of Crows as a book and I kept recommending it and I kept telling people to read it because the characters are very distinct and they're very very likable or not even likable sometimes they're not but they grow and you grow with them and you learn what they do and it's kind of like yeah like I'm allowed to like this thing I honestly I just find there's no shame in it and I think it kind of started when I was telling my kids what I was reading just like being open with it and obviously they're mindful of the fact that not all of these books should be read by their age range but these are books that I am reading I found it helpful to show them hey I am reading this book right now and it kind of sucks or it's really good and it's definitely a teen or young adult fiction book. I don't know, it's just fun. I guess this is kind of like a message of just me saying, you know, you should be able to like what you like on that note. Let's talk about mainstream media for a little bit. Things become popular and for some reason, I always have the inclination to move away from things that are suddenly blown up and popular and talked about by everybody. And I don't know why necessarily. We haven't really picked that yet, but I think maybe it has to do with the fact that I want to like something at my own pace, in my own kind of time, um, in my own way. And then when it's blown up and it's just everywhere, I feel like it's become less of my thing to figure out and there are more opinions out there and I'm swayed or influenced by those opinions and whatnot. Maybe that's the root of it. But yeah, to whoever said, you know, you are ashamed of liking mainstream media or mainstream music or mainstream films or whatever, um, whatever it is, whatever it could be, it's interesting that we feel like we need to like new things. We need to constantly have something new to add to the table and not recycle the same things that are already there. When it's absolutely okay to like the same things and you can add something new to that same thing. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm just blabbering on but yeah we constantly feel like we need to generate new ideas maybe and maybe that translates into finding entertainment that is novel or creative we just tend to be harder on ourselves with that and I think that's what I'm getting from a lot of the responses that you guys have been kind of putting forth and it's kind of like if you want to consume a piece of popular media it's popular for a reason right 
I've been more open with what I like with the people around me or what I'm watching, maybe not necessarily what I like, but what I'm watching or reading or currently trying to navigate. So recently, I always need a visual stimuli of some sort. Sometimes it comes in the form of really long TV shows with many seasons where it's unlikely that I will care about every single character. And so I can be disengaged in some areas and then engaged when let's say a storyline that I'm interested in comes to play. So one of those examples is The Vampire Diaries. I've been watching The Vampire Diaries properly for the first time and this was prompted because I suddenly had access to it. At first I was watching Lost and this is a very long TV show so I'm not really paying attention to a lot of it but it's a really nice show. I haven't watched it before but it came out a while ago and it's funny because there's all of these actors that I've seen in other forms of entertainment that are suddenly in this one piece of entertainment together and it just it feels like a crossover of some sort. Obviously who's in it? Ian Somerhalder. I remember Ian Somerhalder is also in The Vampire Diaries so I watched The Vampire Diaries and before you know it I'm currently on episode 18 of season two. Actually, I just want to add, insert here, that I'm actually on episode 17 of season 3, so my memory definitely tried to cut back on that. It's season 3. Carry on. And I'm not so invested that I, you know, I have a character that I would die for, figuratively, but I'm also not uninterested either. I'm actually slowly building just like a routine where I go home, I make dinner, I do my work whilst The Vampire Diaries is just playing on my laptop. That's my new routine right now. I'm not that mad about it. I think it's it's pretty great because there's a little bit of stability there in the sense that there's so many episodes that it feels like I'm always going to have this. I know it's going to end sometime, but I'm taking my time with it and I'm really enjoying that. So it's kind of helped me slow down in a weird way. Like out of all the things I could be consuming, The Vampire Diaries is what's helping me build routine in my evenings. (laughs) That's so strange. But yeah, there's like this resurfacing of old media as well, which which is something that I've noticed. Old media that originally you might be actually quite ashamed to admit that you're watching it. And now it's kind of like I'm just going to that era and having a great time. And what else can you say about it? It's just a great time. So there's that, right? And And this is currently my routine, you know? Maybe at the heart of it, we're so conscious of the fact that it reveals to other people how we are when we are alone or when we have alone time or me time, when no one else has access to how we're spending our day. We're kind of given an opportunity to communicate how we spend that day. And maybe that's why we instinctively want to hide it. I I have no idea. Maybe at the root of it, it's us wanting to have ownership over an experience and being able to control whether or not we like it and having that be the only kind of opinion floating around um, without other people judging that opinion. And... I think a few of you also said that you were ashamed of preferring introverted activities. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever ashamed of that. I think I'm just ashamed of communicating it. 
And if we are to talk about, you know, series, um, I love rewatching things. I like rewatching things because it brings me comfort to know what's going to happen next, but also to redigest a specific storyline or notice things that I might have missed the first time and give myself a second chance at understanding something I might be confused about. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know, people constantly want to know, oh, what else are you watching these days? And it's like, I don't have much that I'm watching these days. I'm watching the same thing over and over, which is fine, you know? Yeah. So on the entertainment aspect of it, are guilty pleasures actually guilty pleasures? Why can't they just be, you know, things you enjoy? Why must we attach guilt to that? Because guilt kind of implies that someone has made a judgment that it's not okay but really i think it's your own judgment that it's not okay realistically it's it's harmless in the reading episode i was talking about how i want reading to be accessible again for me i'm tired of spending way too long figuring out the meanings of things i just want to read to read to have fun another kind of attachment that I heard and saw that you guys brought up was shame and hobbies. You know, whether that's watching TV shows, whether that's writing stories. Oh my gosh. Okay. On the subject of, I could talk about this for ages all the time. I always bring it up. On the subject of fiction and shame, let's move on to talking about how when we create media, we also somehow feel shameful about it or ashamed about it. Am I using these words interchangeably? One of the most major areas in which shame is constantly kind of evoked is probably fan fiction and the whole phenomenon of it. We've talked a little bit about why it's so good as a reading tool and a learning tool, but also additionally, I think it's something that a lot of people feel ashamed about. Now let's think about it this way. Fan fiction writers probably write way more pages than an average novel. Um, I'm talking about fan fiction writers who update so frequently or spend hard work and hours editing and writing and having beta readers and, you know, fully committing themselves to their projects. And this is not only fan fiction writers who write really long novel length stories. This also kind of applies to any fan fiction writer, really, one shots or anything. These are writers that commit a specific amount of energy into reshaping a narrative or kind of molding a story with their brains, with their with their understanding of a text, of characters, and trying to kind of provide entertainment for their readers if they update frequently and they have readers that ask for updates and all of that. Sometimes fanfiction writers don't enjoy what they are writing and they solely write because they either, you know, really need to express and it takes hard work. And I think a lot of the times, I don't think fanfic writers always feel ashamed necessarily. It's not really on them. It's more like when someone says, oh, I write fan fiction, a specific stereotype of that title comes into mind, I guess. And a lot of people end up chuckling or laughing or being kind of mocking about it. I think it's beginning to change. I'm not really sure. From my end, I feel like I've seen the perceptions of it shifting and changing. But even now, I think when I'm trying to explain fanfic and the concept of fanfic to people, I'm always met with like a chuckle, which is fair. It's a peculiar way to say that you're a writer. You know, it's also a free resource. Fanfic writers are not getting paid to post on 
their sites. And yet they do. I have read some really good fan fiction in the past centered around the TV shows or books or whatever it is that I'm consuming at the time, mainly because I feel like a book on its own or a show on its own was kind of unfinished or I don't want to part with it. And so I just want something new to go with it. Fanfic is kind of like my drink of a meal. I cannot have the meal without this drink. It's like, it's a must. It adds something. It adds something different. It's not the main dish, but it adds something different. Does that metaphor make sense? I feel like I'm constantly making these metaphors and I don't even, anyway, we're not going to discredit my own metaphor, but yeah, fanfic. That's like one example of guilt being attached to something that's actually quite amazing. It's attached to something like an achievement, actually. I did have a period of time in my past when I was a teenager where I wrote original stories on Wattpad. They're not there anymore. They don't exist anymore. They were terrible. They were terrible, terrible, terrible stories. But they helped exercise my creativity and come to think of it, it's amazing that I was actually writing on Wattpad and posting regularly every single week. I had 70 chapters of this one short story that I was writing and it was only short because each chapter was I think about a maximum of 10 lines and so each little chapter was super micro. There ended up being 70 chapters or plus and that was my proudest work when I was 14 or 13 I think. And then we moved on. We decided we're done with writing like that. So we kind of shut down our account. Now let's think about another aspect of shame. So we've talked a little bit about entertainment now. And I just remembered, you know, hard work is always overlooked when it comes to things like writing, creating. We're ashamed of what we create more than we acknowledge the amount of time or effort or energy we spent on creating this amazing thing that might not be perfect, but the fact that we spent energy on this and effort on this and really invested ourselves is something to recognize rather than, oh, this is so silly. This is ridiculous. And I think that also comes with, on the note of hard work, you know, when you're in school and I don't know if I'm the only one who experienced this, but when exams came around and people would ask, oh, did you study for this? Oh, how much did you study? Oh, I didn't even study that much. There's always reactions of like, oh yeah, I just... I didn't even study. I just read one chapter or, oh yeah, like I'm just going to try and wing it, whatever. Oh, I don't even care. It's fine. And I would say that growing up with comments like that around me really made me ashamed of working really hard or like having to work hard to get somewhere. I might not have worked hard, but I felt like working hard was something to be ashamed of. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but that's what I grew up thinking. So I always felt like hard work was something to be ashamed about and to kind of hide. Like effortlessness was celebrated and effort was kind of put in the drain a little bit. And come to think of it, you know, I will say that my most hardworking period of time was definitely university. And I think it came from me micromanaging myself and my habits to the point where my hard work definitely looks like hard work, but it was also micromanagement of my own studying and learning to the point where I will never recommend studying the way that I studied to anybody. But also studying like that was how I felt so fulfilled in my degree and the things that I was learning. Um, Um, And for some reason, I don't feel like advertising that or celebrating that in public. I remember a comment that was made ages ago, and it doesn't really sting me now, but it definitely stung me then, which I think is what we call growth. 
I think it was along the lines of, oh, you know, so-and-so, like, Clara's not smart. She's just hardworking. And I look at this phrase a little differently now in the sense of something more positive, as in, yeah, in order to be smart, I have to be hardworking. Whereas I think back then I saw it more of like, oh, her hard work doesn't matter. You know, in the end, she's still not smart. That's how I saw it back then. But I think now it's more like, I know what I need to do to have this kind of confidence that I am capable and intelligent of making, you know, intelligent observations or insightful comparisons or whatever it is that I was trying to do. But yeah, like it's like things like that. Why are we belittling hard work? You know, like why are we constantly trying to brush off our own efforts when it's actually quite amazing to like studying is hard. Learning is hard. The process is so hard. I think it's something worth saying, you know, I actually worked really hard and I hope things turn out okay because I worked really hard. But don't you want, you know, your efforts to not be in vain, just unseen or invisible? They should be acknowledged in some way shape or form it's amazing that you're able to commit your energy into something and if we don't see that then that's a shame in itself yeah that's my thoughts on hard work i think another one that i got was shame is always attached to emotional expression things like crying and feeling upset or angry we tend to shield ourselves or hide ourselves when we experience an externalized form of emotion so things like anger sadness crying um a lot of the times i want to apologize when i cry whatever it is and it's kind of like why do we apologize for crying that's literally raise your hand if you've ever been called over dramatic or you're being dramatic or like calm down emotions are difficult to to like bottle i think we shouldn't bottle our emotions but when, when we don't bottle it it's like you're being too dramatic no i'm literally just expressing emotions and i'll be normal in a bit but i need to express them otherwise it's not healthy Ooh, this was a good one i want to just read some of your guys's responses because i've been really enjoying asking questions and then just seeing the different points of view that i'm getting back from this which i guess is one of the ways that we're communicating through here but i think we're moving towards you know also thinking about not just what we're ashamed of but how do we communicate the fact that we are ashamed of this when we are communicating it so someone said you know the habit of calling the things i like dumb or corny before talking about them um like i am allowed to like things to be different why do i always feel ashamed of everything so it's kind of like when you say like oh this might sound really silly but this might be ridiculous but or this might not even make sense it's like why do we always put disclaimers in front of our own very valid and very personalized experiences or anecdotes why do we put disclaimers before them because technically no one should be judging that right but yeah that's absolutely right i think i always have the habit of downgrading the things i'm really interested in when i'm actually so full of love or joy from that thing that i'm consuming in terms of media or entertainment and yet i call it silly or preface it as like oh this might not even be your thing but this blah 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 but it's the same sentence structures right like you say this might and then you define it and you say but why do we do that that's i don't know that's something i'm trying to grow out of and i'm sure some of you relate 
<laughs> someone said holding or bringing a straight umbrella a standing umbrella in, in public I don't feel that like I always have a folding umbrella maybe that's why I don't really think about that but something on the same note in terms of umbrellas is you know when it's not really raining that hard but it's raining just enough that it's just irritating you're just sick of brushing raindrops out of your eyes but no one around you is opening an umbrella and I know that opening an umbrella is your choice to make, but I feel really silly when I want to open my umbrella, but no one else around me or barely anyone else around me has their umbrella open. I almost feel a little bit, I feel like I'm high maintenance for doing that, but I'm not. I just don't like collecting a bunch of rain in my hair and my eyes whilst I'm walking and commuting, you know? Like I do want it out of my face, but it's not really heavy, but I also it's still raining enough that it's irritating. This has happened to me twice this week when it was raining and I left my flat and I had to walk through the station and the entire way I'm thinking, why am I opening an umbrella? I know why I'm opening an umbrella, but I feel like I should be questioning why. Like, do I have to open an umbrella? And I know different countries have different tolerances for how much rain you will take before you open your umbrella. Like, for example, when I went to the UK a couple years ago, I felt the most silliest when... I wanted to open an umbrella to the point where I never left my hostel or wh wherever it was that we were staying. I never left without a hooded jacket so that I could just cover my head with the hood. Um, that was how I adapted, I guess. Yeah, umbrellas. I guess this has to do with shame and like just our habits, how we want to navigate our day. And why are people so judgy? You know, like if I want to open my umbrella, I'll open my umbrella. It's fine. Ooh, this one's interesting. My talents, capabilities, hobbies that don't cater to my job or school. Yeah, um, and I think this kind of also connects with something else that I saw. Setting boundaries between work and personal life, I think this was. You know, we are allowed to have our significant spaces for things that, like for example, I at work don't do anything creative in terms of projects or whatnot. I leave that for my own kind of personal space and I don't even talk about it that much really. Whereas in work, I just kind of focus on work and I focus on reading at work. I feel very trusted um, with all of your responses to do with things that you feel slightly ashamed about. So thank you for sharing those with me. I haven't gotten to all of them, but a lot of these, all of these actually make a lot of sense. And I think these are things that we carry around so much subconsciously and consciously. Um, and we don't really always have time to talk about it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think at the heart of it, we just, we want to be able to control how we're seen or who sees us really. And maybe this is one of those kind of aspects of it, right? Like this is one of those things that helps us kind of control that. I feel like we are so good at masking ourselves and hiding a lot of things to seem kind of functional or normal and i'm terrible at lying i'm such a bad liar in the sense i hate lying and so i tend to be a little bit more open if people are asking what i'm into i'm like well i'm consuming this thing and sometimes i will explain what i'm enjoying or um, currently reading or watching without naming what it is i think that's how i kind of skirt around it but yeah that's something that i've been really conscious of lately we're not alone we all like silly things that we consider silly because we think 
no one else would compliment them or see them on a pedestal. But, you know, at the heart of it, it's fine. And I think sometimes it's so frustrating, you know? Why can't we just be confident about what we like? Why must we filter so much of it? In fact, you know, I don't know. I have a thing where my filter gets thinner and thinner as the day goes on. So right now it's about 10 something. My filter is paper thin, about to tear because I am reaching the hours where my brain just is too tired to filter stuff. And honestly, it's really cathartic for me to verbalize all of these things out loud. I find immense comfort in being able to do that and recognizing I can do that. But at the same time, I'm realizing, oh, I only do this at a certain hour. It's very strange. Yeah, don't be ashamed. You're doing great. You know, you are trying your best in your everyday life, which definitely has its struggles. I do not doubt that we are all dealing with challenges of numerous sizes, shapes, forms that we are jumping hurdles over. And in order to face those challenges we sometimes need to enjoy what we enjoy and like what we like thank you so much for listening in if you are ashamed of listening to this podcast i don't blame you we talk about a lot of rambly things but if you're not ashamed of listening to this podcast thank you so much for spreading the word and sharing that this is a space that exists i have to say i'm not ashamed that i've tried to start this podcast one of the responses that were really common was you know being ashamed of making mistakes and being ashamed of things not being perfect and i think at the start of me starting wholeheartedly i felt immense pressure of do i talk about it i don't really want to talk about my podcast um i'm still very new at this and i feel like i'm not at a stage where i can comfortably tell people i have a podcast but as time goes on it's kind of like this is a thing like this is a new thing that i tried this is a new project a new experience and i should talk about it sometimes because i don't think i give this space enough credit for just the growth that it is bringing me in terms of my ability to cycle thoughts and sift through thoughts that I might otherwise just leave as sediment at the bottom of my brain bank. Hopefully this has settled your mind in some way for some of the things that you thought you shouldn't talk about or shouldn't express your joy and love for. Have a lovely week ahead. Wholeheartedly, Clara. <laughs>